Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week, we're talking about 2003's Bad Boys 2. With Joe. Captain, these are not normal corpses. If I threw you out of a speeding ice truck and then ran over your head, you wouldn't be normal either. And Josh. I realize you're an enigma. Yeah, I can see that. God sent you here to test me. But guess what? You're not gonna break me, Mike. No. Woosa. Uh, welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Mike to my Marcus Josh, fresh off of a physical. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> oh, they took my blood. They took your blood. <laughs> they took my blood. <laughs> well, this movie takes a lot of blood. There's there there's manslaughter everywhere. <laughs> a lot of brain matter. A lot of uh... there's. A few things where you sit there going, wow, Bay, you stretched your wings on this one with the special effects. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was surprised because normally his things are like fairly bloodless, even right. though there's a lot of violence. Yeah. Yeah. It's not street, or it's Street Fighter, it's not Mortal Kombat. Ooh, that's yeah. a good comparison. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Or maybe I should say, it's Street Fighter for the Super Nintendo, not the Sega Genesis. Um, Remember when they did that? Yeah. And they made the blood gray? Yes. To look like sweat? <laughs> Yeah, I was a Nintendo guy, so I, I always missed out on that stuff. Same here. Thank yeah. God these systems evolved. <laughs> well, anyway, this week, Josh has nominated Bad Boys 2 for the action movie Pantheon. And in there, number one is Die Hard. Number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number three is Indiana Jones uh, in The Last Crusade. Number four is Mad Max Fury Road. Number five is John Wick. Number six is John Wick Chapter 2. And number seven, rounding it out, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Josh. Do you want to alter any of your grades from previous shows? And if so, what is your reasoning for your grade change? I'm I'm good. Okay. For now. Now, <laughs> to be fair, you've never given us Last Crusade and you've never given us Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, okay. I know Last Crusade is your baby. Yes. Uh, and where is it in? on here? Yeah, I'm going to let me. Can I enter? Uh, I can enter it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. What do you want to enter it? Is it an A or an A plus? It's an A. <laughs> it's an A. Okay. It's an A. Okay. Well, it's staying exactly where it's at. Perfect. Yeah. It stays exactly where it's at. It's a 96.25 now. Uh, and Crystal Skull? Yes. Um, I gave it a C. Steve gave it a D. I would go I would go C plus. C plus. As high as a C plus. That's, you know what? I think that's a very fair grade because it jumps over Mad Max now. <laughs> okay. Which I do think it is better than Mad Max. Mm. I by today's standards, I can get on board with Kingdom more than yes. Mad Max. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I mean that's, that's Ma valid. Mad Max. There's some points where you're like, am I still watching a Mad Max movie? What? Right. There's a there's a lot of dead space in this, and she just ran out of the woods, and then she ran back in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, no one's swinging on vines with monkeys, but that's only one split second scene. <laughs> there, there's some dodgy CG in like that last sequence. Oh yeah where I'm like, that did not hold up. The monkey stuff, the monkey business? The monkey business. <laughs> the monkey business actually uh, came across better than I thought it was going to. Right. Yeah. It. I understand, well, okay, I've rationalized the point for it. I don't understand, maybe this is one of the points, but I rationalized it as if they were gonna do Shia LaBeouf as the heir apparent, they needed to show him swinging on a whip-like thing to right. people buy in. This didn't hit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's get into this thing. Uh, now that we've had this business, let's get down to business. This week we're talking about 2003's Bad Boys 2, a movie made for $130 million that brought in $273.3 It limped 
It limped over it. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Ron Shelton, Jerry Stahl, Cormac, and Marion Wiberly. Oh, four more writers. Uh, directed by Michael Bay. Music by Trevor Rabin. And it opened at number one, knocking out Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, did you see the additional credits for music? No. Who were they? Uh, Dr. Dre and P. Diddy. Th you know what? Makes sense. Yes. It totally tracks. This was the time. Yep. <laughs> But if you look at those movies, Bad Boys opens up at 46.5 million, mm -hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean is number two, and then League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Terminator 3, what, Johnny English, what the hell just happened? <laughs> now, let's see, uh, League, Terminator 3, Johnny English. Uh, Finding Nemo is in its fifth week. Those three I saw at the Dollar Theater, so I contributed very little to, <laughs> to those box office totals. $3 goes to Josh. Yes. <laughs> but it just kind of shows you like, okay, this opened July 18th. That means that July 11th was Pirates, mm -hmm. July 4th was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was the July 4th opening. Wow. That and Legally Blonde to Red, White, and Blonde. But they expected a lot out of League. I think it was supposed to be like part of the, the beginning wave of the comic book adaptations. And going back to something that you coined before, which is comfort movies, mm -hmm. comfort food movies. Mm -hmm. League is a comfort food movie for me. <laughs> uh, if you put League and Van Helsing on back to back, like I could, I could nap and then wake up and I would just feel like the warm, cozy embrace. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I get it. it don't get me wrong. What I love about League is that I could take a nap, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wake up, and I still know what's happening. Yep. And that does not make a good movie, but it's comfort food. Yes. <laughs> in this movie, Bad Boys 2, is rated R, and it's two hours and 27 minutes. Mm. 30 minutes longer than the original. Oh. Yeah, that's a lot of movie. There's a lot of bloat in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Martin Lawrence, it's top billing, as Detective Marcus Burnett, Will Smith as Detective Mike Lowry, Jordy Moya as another forgettable villain in the series, Johnny Tapia. Uh, don't get me wrong, he will say his name at least 20 times in this. Johnny Tilapia, <laughs> as, <laughs> as I kept referring to him. <laughs> it's a shit-eating fish. <laughs> Gabrielle Union as Sid, Peter Stormare as Alexei, Teresa Randall as Teresa, uh, Joe Pantoliano. Hey, Joey Pants is back at Captain Howard. Michael Shannon as Floyd Poteet. Michael Shannon. What are you doing here? <laughs> I did a double take when I saw him and I was like, fuck, is this his first role? <laughs> and he's he's pulling the biggest faces oh. out of anybody. And he's like, huh? Mugging for every scene. Yes. <laughs> Yul Vasquez as Detective Reyes and Jason Manuel Olathebal as Detective Vargas. Uh, and the reason I know how to say Olathebal is because there used to be a golfer uh, named Jose Maria lost the ball. And I used to joke because he always, I would say, oh, he lost the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Rollins. Dude. And once again, one and a half scenes? One and a half, maybe. Yeah. yeah he's at the very beginning during the raid and the very end when they're about to do another raid. Yeah. <laughs> John Sally, welcome back as Fletcher. Michael Bay as a crappy car driver. <laughs> and Dan Marino as himself. And the incomparably beautiful Megan Fox as the Stars and Stripes bikini kid dancing under a waterfall. This was her first theatrical role. Ridiculous. And if you can spot her, good job. Yeah, it's like two and a half frames or something. It's a flash. Yeah. <laughs>
you'll 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 freeze it. Um, according to IMDb, this movie had one tagline: "If you can't stand the heat, get out of Miami." <laughs> um, what I don't like about this is that it, it I get it's like oh it's a sequel it's ready to go but this is like eight years after right it's like are you gonna, still gonna get the same punch from the first movie but it's Bay has grown and changed so much since the first movie he's he's evolved in his own particular direction yes yes he had I think he'd done Armageddon and The Rock and there's a third movie that's oh Pearl Harbor Pearl Harbor he did those three in between Bad Boys 1 and Bad Boys 2 mm -hmm. and I think he leaned in more towards what Armageddon and the Rock were when creating this than the Pearl Harbor one because I remember Bad Boys too. Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about Pearl Harbor. I remember that that bomb. Dropping. I don't even re oh the the shot of it. Yes, I do remember that because within the trailer. Yes, yeah, but I'm trying to think in that movie wasn't Ben Affleck in that movie? Yeah. Who was the other guy? Was it Josh Hartnett? It was Josh Hartnett. Holy yes. shit, I can't believe I pulled that off. <laughs> Josh Hartnett, so he was apparently helping, uh, he was at Pearl Harbor, Yeah. and then he helped to build the bomb. Yes, he did in Oppenheimer, <laughs> which we will get into later on. <laughs> Do you remember seeing this for the first time? What'd you think? Well, I never did seen it until last night. So. Well, good on you. So I do remember it. Nothing has happened at the doctor <laughs> this morning that made me forget. When you finished, did you think to yourself, okay, or did you think, I could have watched something else? <laughs> there was a point in the middle yeah. where I thought I could have watched something else. At the end, yeah. I was like, well, hell, I want to watch the highlight reel of this again. Well, Bay knows how to end a movie. Yes. It's going to be bombastic and fun, and you can't stop thinking. Right. Um, I saw this on TNT or TBS. I know I didn't see this in the movies. Mm -hmm. It was one of those uh, channels, and I remember the moment I clicked on the movie, and it was when Martin was high as his kite. Okay. And he looks at the fish, and he goes, that's a nice fish. <laughs> and I was like, I'll stay along for this. <laughs> and from that moment on in the movie, mm -hmm. it's pretty good. I didn't know there was an hour before that. Right, right. <laughs> and I remember that scene. I remember the scene where they interrogate the kid who's picking up Martin's daughter, which... I mean, interrogate or harass? <laughs> Can we say they're one and the same? <laughs> I mean... They went. They were just short of waterboarding the kid. <laughs> yes, basically. The, there's a, a gun brandished at one point, and there's some very bad trigger etiquette happening. What's funny is that in Bad Boys for Life, I think they bring the kid back. Oh, really? Because he's actually marrying his daughter now. Nice. So I think they brought the same kid back to do this, uh, which <laughs> is going to seem really strange, but this may be the, the first series we've done here where the third movie is the best one. Ooh, wild. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well... Let's get into Inception Perception. Just kidding. There is nothing on this on Wikipedia at all. There's no making of, there's no development, there's no writing, there's no where was this filmed. There's nothing on this movie. In fact, finding a plot synopsis for this movie, I had to put together five or six different people's reviews to put together something for this because it's like no one wants to talk about this movie. That's, that's weird to me because... Right. The... The consensus, and I went through like letterboxed yeah. for a bunch of different people, like critics and uh, you know lay people, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, and 
even the negative reviews, they sound like features, not bugs to me. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And it hit, okay, I'm just going to get this out of the way because we'll talk about it later. It has like a 15%. Seriously? On Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. 15% of critics think this is a six out of 10 or higher. The rest are like, it's eh, less than six. But it's not that bad. Right. It's just long. And I'll talk about it later also, which is the things that I wanted out of Bad Boys 1, mm -hmm. I got in this and I didn't like it. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. It was like, oh, I thought this would make it better, and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into this movie. I can't believe you guys. Do you both wake up in the morning, call each other up? Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I. Right. So, how are we gonna fuck up the captain's life today? Gee, I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, look over there. Let's kill three fat people and leave them on the street. Hey, they were dead before we ran over them. It doesn't matter whether they were dead or not. God damn it. Every time you leave a corpse on the street, I have to get these forensic coroner guys to come in to see what happened. Then I got to get detectives, see, de detecting shit. Then I got to get these forensic guys to stick them back in the fucking bag. Jesus Christ. You guys, you're, you're like, like a, a bunch of blood-sucking ticks draining the life's blood out of this department. Woosa. Damn the Woosa, Captain. Did you just call me a tick? Eight years after the events of the first film, Miami Police Department MPD Narcotics Division detectives, which never got shut down, Marcus Burnett and Mike Lowry are investigating the flow of high potent ecstasy into the city. Their surveillance of boats coming in from Cuba leads them to a Ku Klux Klan meeting and a drug drop in a swamp stock outside Miami. Strange place for the KKK. The subsequent raid on the Klan members proves to be a disaster if malfunctioning radios delay backup, causing a firefight when Mike accidentally shoots Marcus in the ass. While the Klan members are revealed to be mere small-time buyers and not the distributors of the ecstasy, despite the fact that they're still clan members. That's a problem. The incident leaves Marcus to further question if he still wants to partner with Mike, while Mike fears that Marcus may discover his new relationship with Marcus's sister, Sid. Woo. Okay, the first two minutes of this movie. Didn't mm -hmm. it feel like a music video? Oh, with the go-fast boats and the helicopters. Oh God, yes. And, uh, I don't remember if it's in the beginning, but every time he does a flash cut, there's a whoosh. Whoosh, yes, sound, there is. Sound <laughs> happening. It's, yep. like, it's like the most kinetic. It seems like when, uh, who was it that was making a Star Wars film? Uh, or no, Guardians? Somebody with a blaster, and every time they shoot, they're like, pew. Oh, no, it was uh, it was Star Wars. I'll be uh, Ewan McGregor. Okay. Every time he used his lightsaber, he'd go, vroom, vroom, yeah. vroom. Yes. <laughs> and they asked him to stop making the sounds because yes. it was fucking with the sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where you're like, as a kid, you'd be like, whoosh, whoosh, ah, you know, making all the sound effects yourself. And that's what, that's what Bay does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it, this is what, 2003. So, you know, attention spans are starting to dwindle a little bit in mm -hmm. the, in, in, in society. And so what a great way to hook people then by 400, <laughs> 400 quick cuts in about two minutes. <laughs> and it has, uh, the military feel of, um, what like 24 was popular at the yep, time yep. stuff like that with the fonts and the way things are kind of flying around 
it's one of the things Michael Bay does well is filming military operations. Mm -hmm. He he and I love I think I, I think it was Transformers. They did a there was a feature on Transformers and they had a bunch of the military guys talking about it mm -hmm. and how what they like about Michael Bay is he actually uses real military people in those scenes right because they know the procedures they know what it should look like and it's why they never look like they're overacting that's just how they act mm -hmm. and as much shit as people give Michael Bay you're hard pressed to find more deference to the military in his in movies right absolutely yeah it's it's very rah rah yeah uh okay they cut midway through this all the way to johnny tapia who's on the phone saying i think we got a problem we got a problem and there's two girls of johnny one of them grabs a gun <laughs> points it at johnny right yeah yeah and then it fires off <laughs> that could have been the end of the movie <laughs> i like the the idea that these are two uh, adult ladies yes. um, of some perhaps professional stripe could have been who are like oh let me play with a gun <laughs> want me to show you? she says want to see his gun right and like really you're like two ladies and you're out and it's just right there also yes it, like, that and uh once they shoot it they go sorry johnny yeah. <laughs> and she, then she drops it right <laughs> could have gone off again yeah <laughs> Okay, now as they're doing this mission, at one point they, they, they the boat's worried about uh, being seen by the helicopter, so they put a tarp over it. it. It doesn't become invisible, guys. This is not this is not a submarine. No, that and even the uh, helicopter POV looking down, you expect to see the yeah. something black. Yes, it's just waves. Right. <laughs> it's like nope, it totally. That is some stealth technology yes. we got there. It's, it's confounding. Uh, Henry Rollins is shown in this also, an alpha male instructor of the police. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Marcus and Mike, Mark, they kick off their 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 uh, KKK uniforms, and there's Marcus and Mike. What was the quote they said, Josh? <laughs> nope, you're not gonna. <laughs> Marcus, uh, maybe you can cut it in or something. I'm not even gonna do that. <laughs> There is a fantastic line, and actually the whole beginning bit mm. when they're facing off against the racists, uh, it it is profane to the point where you could. I'm amazed even that those two guys could say it at that point in time, and people would eat it up. Uh, but you're against the KKK, so you're you know, right. They're they're the worst guys in the situation. Yes, let's be very clear here. The problem isn't so much Marcus and Mike; it's who they're up against. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, that being said, they are hilariously outgunned in this. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I, I put here, we get back to the Marcus and Mike banter, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I said I want more of this in the movies coming up, and we're gonna get it. We get more. It's it is all the way through this because. I was thinking about this. Bad Boys 1, they're largely separated in that movie. Yes. And the story dictated they were never together. This one? No, we're putting them smack dab like a sandwich together. Uh, thus begins the the running gag of uh, Marcus not knowing the words to Bad Boys. Right. <laughs> they, they get through the chorus and then... But he's like enthusiastically scatting the song. It's so funny because... Mike makes fun of him the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, as they're floating away, they do the same thing. And you can tell Mike doesn't know the words either. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, 
the slow mo bullet. Mm -hmm. We get the, the the. Now you would probably know more about this than I do, but I know there's CGI involved. But this is 2003. How much was involved in that? Because it looked real. Oh my gosh. So I went through, there's uh, on the digital version through iTunes at least. Yeah. Um, or Apple movies, what, what have you. There is, there's two or three uh, behind the scenes featurettes. Okay. And they were taken like from the DVD because they're all SD. Super grainy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they show the, the computer comps of the different scenes. And I didn't see that one in particular, but the highway chase. Yeah. And like so many of those cars were totally fake. Oh my God! Really? Yes, and I could not believe it. I did not know that at all. Yeah, I, I, I think it's 2003. We're not quite there yet with our computer tech, but I didn't. That you know what? Kind of moving up a little bit right now. Yeah, considering what I just saw on the screen, because I did not think that at all. Yeah, it was incredibly impressive, especially for the time. I guess that makes sense because they level every possible car that's worth over a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> And a boat. And a boat. And a boat. <laughs> How'd you sink a boat? <laughs> um, let's see. Johnny Tapia. She doesn't seem very organized. Just change the day. Keep them guessing. Can you can you do that with a big drug operation? I wouldn't think so. No. And so I'm watching this and I go, okay, Alexi must be the guy that's in charge. No. Nope. Johnny Tapia is the one in charge. And I'm like, the guy in the first movie would have just killed both of these dudes on the spot. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't that great. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, having only seen this last night, there's a lot of things in this movie that I'll remember. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Tapia is not one of them. <laughs> he makes, like, while you're watching him, the dude makes no impact. <laughs> it's almost like some scenes, he's they force him in there just to remind you he's there. Mm -hmm. Like the scene later on where he's doing the, the mural on his wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're like, why are we here? Get back. <laughs> it's... It should have been a setup for then uh, them destroying the mural. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Marcus P's on it or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we get the club scene mm -hmm. with the, uh, with the drugs being passed around. All the women are hot and high. Mm -hmm. All the guys couldn't look less interested because that's what's cool, I guess. Uh, Russian mobster Alexi speaks with Johnny Tapia on the phone, and they don't seem to know where the outside pressure from their business is coming from. Uh, it's called the cops. Dummies. <laughs> yeah. Is this your first operation? <laughs> Dude, and for what, half or three quarters of the movie, they think Mike and Marcus are gang members? Right. And, but the, only two? Like, <laughs> a rival gang is coming for you and they send two dudes, and that's what you assume? It, well, okay. I'm trying to remember. Isn't Marcus wearing a, uh, is he wearing a headband or a, 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 a bandana in oh, some of this movie? Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, was it black, blue, or red? Yeah. What was he representing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this scene is vintage. We, this, if you didn't know you're in a Michael Bay movie, now you know. Because this scene, say it with me, because it's cool. cool. <laughs> and coming off of Barbie watching this, mm -hmm. okay, ladies, you got a complaint. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty valid. Yeah, you, 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 got, you, you got a complaint there. I'll, I'll buy you. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. The... Uh, that sequence. I mean, when it it drops through the the floor, the ventilation, and oh, then yeah. up, uh, and the the different bodies reveal the drugs and the different people. They showed just the shot uh, booming up to Alexi. Yes. Uh, 
on the behind the scenes and how just that shot from after they're through the vents is three plates, three different sequences. That how did they shot. do that so seamlessly? Exactly. And they showed the the glass floor is all CG. They had him on a platform that they shot. So they're shooting through nothing, but they put the reflections of the dancers in there to make it look real. Um, and the dude, the CG artist, he was like, yeah, when the one woman moves, it reveals the next plate behind her. Uh, and it's a wipe, but you can't tell because it's comped exactly around the curves of her posterior. posterior. And, and uh, he goes, yeah, uh, we called that one the butt wipe. <laughs> You know, Bay, we really we want to give you credit here, and then you do shit like this. <laughs> That's pretty damn impressive, though. Yeah, like you think you you would think that you know they'd freeze it, they'd CGI up to a certain point, and then rebuild off of the desk. But if it's one fucking shot yeah. with three plates, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Alexi sees another guy ODing in his club. Uh, I've never been involved in drugs. Uh-huh. If I was involved in drugs and I was a dealer, I think my first order of business was keeping business alive. Right. Because that's repeat business then. If you keep getting ODs, maybe this isn't the best business for you. Yeah, maybe back the potency down just a, a touch. A smidge. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, maybe regulate it in your own club a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe it should be passed tongue to tongue at a very close up angle. <laughs> uh, where's the heat coming from? You have piles and bowls of uh, ecstasy with your stamp on them right. that you're in your office and you're just giving out like candy. Johnny Chimpo, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where are the super troopers in this? <laughs> Anything else you want to mention about this scene? <laughs> okay, thus begins the beginning of so much product placement. Oh my God, yes. There's, and I was wondering, I was going to look it up because we get uh, Sky Vodka okay. in, in this one. Yeah. Like there's some, some cases of it very prominently featured. Uh, Pepsi products, there's a Pepsi trucks during the chase scene. Yep. And I believe in the um, police office. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Bacardi. Bacardi's in this. Yes. Okay. When everyone's like at the re uh, resort or whatever. Yeah. Later, you see like the Bacardi branded cups that they're drinking out of. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are these part of the same conglomerate? Um, I don't think Pepsi is in league with Bacardi. Hmm. I do want to see <laughs> how deep the rabbit hole goes on this. <laughs> Maybe I'll take the blue pill. <laughs> I don't know. Don't you OD? <laughs> Great, another guy will dig in my club. <laughs> oh, that was a good Peter Stormare. Oh, I, I got to keep that up. Okay. <laughs> okay, at Marcus's house, because guy died. We'll just move on. At Marcus's house, Mike stops by for a barbecue. Marcus and his wife have discussed Marcus transferring and switching partners, and Mike has no idea. Man, because Mike is seeing Marcus's sister, Sydney, and Marcus has no idea. Uh, can we talk about the size of this house for a cop? Dude. His wife must have something going on on the side. She must be the breadwinner in that family. Or is he skimming? <laughs> See, now that I think would have made a better, well, nope, nope. They couldn't do that because Lethal Weapon 3 did that. 
Oh, okay. Lethal Weapon 3 was when they were worried about Murtaugh skimming because yes, he was, yes. yeah, and it turned out his wife was a romance novelist. novelist yeah. <laughs> but I'm watching this going, what the hell does Teresa do? I mean, they're right on the water. Right on the water. So they're on like one of the canals or rivers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like it's close to the ocean because in that final shot, it's like, are they going to drift right up to the, like two houses more and they're out into the ocean? Yes. Uh, he drops nearly four grand on a pool. well how much were the pools that were bigger than this yeah (laughs) how much are the good ones uh let's see okay so the joke in the previous movie was that marcus and Teresa weren't having sex Mm -hmm. but here marcus got shot in the ass and he still can't have sex because he's flaccid well he's an impotent man now (laughs) and i'm beginning to think i i I have a theory Mm mm-hmm are we watching a soft reboot of this series? Okay. I mean, because everything that this movie starts off with, the first movie started off with. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if they evil dead to'd this, which is, oh. yeah, the first thing happened, but we're going to do the same movie just with a bigger budget. Right. What do you think? It makes sense. It's, um, it is confounding that we're hitting a lot of the same beats, except for we get more banter between the dudes. Yeah. Like that is, and even though we're supposed to have like a couple uh, almost tender moments with them, they always play it to like the joke level. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you see him trying to correct what was there previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's What's another bad soft reboot? (laughs) <laughs> I poorly done are, one. Are you showing your hand, Josh? <laughs> I mean, at, at being a reboot. No, because I think Evil Dead 2 was a good reboot of Evil Dead. Yes, absolutely. And I think this... I think this is a good reboot of Bad Boys, but I just don't think it was done as well as Bad Boys. It Because it doesn't feel as tight. You could watch it standalone, though. It, exactly. Yeah. It takes, you don't need the first movie. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll keep touching on this. All right. Okay. The purpose is that the partners are keeping secrets from each other, which makes me wonder why we did the first movie. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the lesson in that movie that both guys need to be more honest with each other in this partnership? Yeah. That's their arc in, in the first movie. I bring you reboot. Which <laughs> this one, they, that one, didn't they, they carried it to the end or almost to the end. Yes. Of, of them uh, not being honest with each other or uh, and Marcus not being honest with his wife about what was going on. Yeah, because she finds out in the last like 25 minutes, I think, of Bad Boys. Yeah, like right before the last action scene when she runs into Taylor Leone and they were both like. Yeah, doesn't question why Mike is staying at her place, by yeah. the way. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that when talking about that. We was like, she has no questions about why Mike is staying there. <laughs> uh this one, they drop the exposition of the guys each having their secrets. Yes. Within about 90 seconds or two minutes. <laughs> and they just come out and say what they're doing. Yes. Like, like, oh, we're hiding our relationship from your brother. <laughs> Quick cut to the kitchen. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Have you talked to Mike about retiring or transferring or anything? <laughs> no, Teresa, I haven't. <laughs> they're both waiting for the right moment. And you know what? I don't understand. Like, I would think that's something that 
you would readily bring up. Maybe mm -hmm. not Mike's end of it, but Marcus's would. Yes. Mr. Paranoid wouldn't have let this slip at some point. Right. He's in panic mode the whole movie, except when he's not. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go into it yet? <laughs> I was going to say, I'll, I'll save it more for, for the end. But yeah, I've got some thoughts about that. Okay. Uh, unbeknownst to Mike and Marcus, Sid is an undercover operative with the Drug Enforcement Administration as a money laundering agent for Russian gangsters. The Russian gangsters are in fact the distributors of the ecstasy on behalf of neurotic Cuban drug lord Johnny Tapia. During her first assignment in Miami, a violent Haitian gang called the Zoe Pounders attempts to hijack the money transport between the Russians and Tapia, putting Sid in danger. I like Gabrielle Union in this. Yeah. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like her character added into this. If you're going to add another character into this, okay, it's a family member, and she's kind of a badass in her own right. Yes. I mean, she owns the room with the drug dealers. Absolutely. And I'm like, you know what, Gabby? I'm in. You, you, I, you're sold. I, you're not just pretty. You're, you, you, I'm scared of you. Yes. <laughs> you can handle your shit. <laughs> but the Russian game also seems like this is their first deal ever. And this is where everything is uh, super confusing. Yes. Already, like plot-wise, you're like, okay, there's too many players happening. Uh, you've got the ex the explanation of what they're doing with the money, and that's briefcases full of stacks of, of bills, like you see in these <laughs> movies. Are those the briefcases from that game show from like the the early two thousands? What was that called? I don't remember. Where you had to pick a number, right? Yeah, open the briefcase and yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> Shit. And there's a bunch of fans. It was Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh wait, wrong. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember what the game was. Howie Mandel was the host. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Deal or no deal. Deal or no deal. That's yes. what it was. Part of the man Mandelisance. <laughs> Mandelnasty. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Okay, so Peter, we got Peter Stormare. He's just chewing up scenery, mm -hmm. and the deal is Alexi spends three million in dirty money and gets two million in clean money back. Okay, and that's a big cut. It's a big cut. Yeah, <laughs> you're losing thirty three percent every time. Might as well just pay your taxes at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Just go into the pharmaceutical industry. Right. You'd make more money. Um, we get the Jamaicans. Did they just blow into a horn like the freaking Ewoks? Now, boop, boop. this is confusing <laughs> because as far as I know, that's a Jewish shofar horn. <laughs> so, and it's made out of a uh, ram, a ram's horn. Okay. Uh, they're, they range from about $60 all the way up to 400 because I went down the rabbit hole last night of like doing a little bit of research on this. And I believe it's uh, Israel.com. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You've earned this. So who's the real nerd? <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, Mike and Marcus inadvertently stumble into the action and an intense firefight and car chase ensues between the gang members and the MPD slash DEA, devastating the local area. Devastating, devastating <laughs> the local area. Marcus and Mike learn of Sid's actual work, which makes Marcus unhappy, while Captain Howard demands they find the supply of ecstasy. How does the DEA and MPD not know they're working on the same case? I mean, she explains it. She hand waves it. I don't know if it's a good explanation, but she says basically that the MPD leaks like a sieve. Right. Yes. But then it's like, okay, well then how did Marcus not know Sid was DEA? Right. Well, she he does, but she's a paper pusher. 
That's what, oh, she, that's okay. what she says earlier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sid is firing back at the cops. Right, as part of her cover. What if she'd hit her brother? <laughs> Man, that's part of that's the line of duty right there. <laughs> because it's cool. <laughs> this car chase is expensive looking, but absolutely absurd. Apparently not as expensive as we thought it would be. Not. Although who knows how much money that would have cost in CGI. Yes, that's true. That's I mean, a lot of man hours. For 2003 computer generated images to fool me? Mm-hmm. That must have been expensive. Yeah. And I don't know. There had to be some real cars in there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything that they legitimately crash into, mm-hmm. that had to be real. You can't just throw a, a bumper up to it and go, we'll get the same effect. Right. Now, the ones that are in the background, that's a different animal. Yeah. Which maybe those are the ones that were CGI'd. They were showing the cars flying off of the, the oh, car the, carrier. The ones they were flying. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, in some of those, I'm like, oh, that's... And they weren't like 85 Volvos. Right. These are European sports cars. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one that flips over them. And Marcus <laughs> when Marcus like, has it out the window yes. like an idiot. Yes. Uh, and they're, uh, it's obviously, like, you can't really tell it looking at it, but it's a comp shot, right? Like, yes. You know that it has to be. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's really cool. <laughs> You know what's funny is you wrote this. You said you don't see uh, Mad Max Fury Road. The, yes. This is the most Fury Road Bad Boys 2 is. Okay. This this highway chase. Yep, yep. It really is. Um, the slow-mo skid and shoot moment. I, look, it looks cool, but that's not a real thing, guys. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's Why? Because cool. it it's, looks cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sid just put a hole in that guy's body with a shotgun. Just. Turned around and just... Boom. <laughs> spinal column gone. <laughs> uh, Marcus is repping every Miami team. He wore Alonzo Mourning. Now Michael... Wait. Vic never played for any Miami teams. Were the Dolphins jerseys not cool enough for him? That It was a different era. Like, oh, yeah. In the 90s, they were very cool. Yeah. But I guess by that point, the, the color scheme wouldn't have fit with the, the tone of the movie. Well, they also steal a car from Dan Marino in this. <laughs> and he's wearing a Michael Vick jersey. <laughs> Dan Marino, who's just hap happening by uh, test driving a, a Cadillac. Is it a Cadillac? It was something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, what was You know what they should have had in there? Ace Ventura pop out the other side going, what you guys doing? <laughs> uh, Marcus just shot out his airbag. Yeah. I'm beginning to think this movie's a step back. <laughs> he looks incompetent in this movie. He's, and this is where, get rid of the first movie, right? Yes. Like, have it be an entirely different, like, it's not a franchise. Reboot. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> two, you could put different guys in them, whatever, to make mm -hmm. it work. Uh, but it's just another buddy cop movie. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but that being said, there's plenty of, like, buddy cop movies out there that have sequels that don't like start over. <laughs> yeah. Like you couldn't do that with the most comparable one, lethal weapon. Mm -hmm. One works with two. Yes. Two works with three. It's a, it's a continuance and don't get me wrong. Two is a little bit love a step back. I understand that, but 
So we're all sequels. <laughs> but you have at least, a, or especially the arc of um, Riggs. Yes. Right, going from uh, so suicidal uh-huh. in the beginning to now he's got like his pseudo family and he's found some solace in the world. Yeah. And, you know, he'll he'll be around tomorrow or whatever the, his last line of the movie is. Murtaugh was too old for that shit in Lethal Weapon 1 and guess what? <laughs> Four, he's still too old for this shit. <laughs> uh, but how old was he? So. <laughs> it's upsettingly young, right? He had to be like, Danny Glover had to be in his 40s mm-hmm. in Weapon 1. Yeah. By four, he's got to be pushing 60. Yep. Which tells me that in Lethal Weapon 1, if he's going to retire around that time in his life, his wife must be doing great work with the novels or she's still getting residuals from singing with uh, white Christmas. Right. <laughs> the, Darling love the, uh, I mean, he's got that cop pension, but is it that good? I, I have no clue. I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, and he has to be hitting like exactly 25 years on the force. Yes. Because, uh, looking at him now, I'm like, that's just, it's not an old dude. That's he's, just a dude. He started when he was guy. 15. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fresh out of middle school. <laughs> this kid's a prodigy. Put him on the force. <laughs> In 20 years, we'll, pick, we'll give him somebody suicidal to play with. <laughs> uh, watching all the gunfire and damage, Captain's not going to be happy. <laughs> okay. I kept thinking about Joey Pants in this. Yes. Like, when, when are we going to see Joey Pants? Right. Yeah. The uh, the escalation of all of this, the chase situation, right? Mm. Uh, you go from, like, a regular car chase to the car loader and they're they're throwing cars at us. Yeah, you think I didn't say they're throwing cars at us. <laughs> then one of them, what is it? Um Fast and the Furious is it four? <laughs> where where they're they're doing the bank heist? Four or five? I think it was five. Okay. It, it's the same gag, right? <laughs> it, right. You're dragging a big thing on a chain behind you and you're whipping it into traffic. Yes. So, but they throw a car, it gets caught on a chain, then the car gets on fire. <laughs> Now you have a flaming car barreling down the interstate, smacking into other cars. Up the stakes. Yes. Uh, also, so many dead people. Right? Like In the wake of all their action, yes. there has to be a big red skid mark. <laughs> no one is surviving that chase if you're driving behind them. No. Um, this is Sydney's first time using a gun? I mean, she's trained on the range before. She's got that going for her. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, she seemed fine until she saw her brother. <laughs> so every her and Marcus yeah. both um, have this thing where they, they ping pong, like emotionally. Yes. To wherever the scene needs them to be. Like, uh, Mike has a fairly steady character. Womanizer, two-dimensional. Yes. And also rich kid playing in... A rough area. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, not much arc or growth to him, but he's solid all the way through. Um, maybe it's just... Uh, he doesn't have an arc, does he? No. He didn't have an arc in the first movie. No, he was he was the comedic relief in the first movie. Yes. And in this one, he's supposed to be like the steady character, and Marcus is the comedic relief with his all his neuroses and everything. But Marcus had an arc in the first movie. Yes. Can you really have a movie where your two main characters, only one of them has an arc? I mean, 
I am firmly of the belief that you do not have to have a character arc in order to have an interesting movie. Okay. It's it's more fulfilling if you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's more relatable to the character if you have one. Yes. I'm a big fan of arcs that end lower than when they began. Okay. Like, like a film noir. Yes. Right? You, you see the degradation of a person, basically. But there is still a tra- there's still a journey. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike has no journey. No, no, he does not. <laughs> Uh, if the arc is just, he's going to be honest about dating his sister. That's not an arc. That's and, a choice. And he doesn't even come clean. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Sid does. She pushes him into it. And then he's, then he like mush mouths his way through an explanation. Right. He turns into the Fresh Prince all of a sudden trying to get out of schoolwork. Yes. Uh, also, Sid, she's out here. Uh, Mike and Marcus have to be like celebrity cops at this point. Yeah. From based on the events of the first one. Which, can we go into the number of movies who've had a team of cops the whole city seems to know? Right. Do you know any teams in this town or any town you've lived in? Have they been so famous they've made the headlines? I mean, I I knew cops because they were like cousins or siblings of people that I knew. Right. Yeah. But But Tango and Cash isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, there was one dude, um, and I'm trying to think of his name now, that I knew who uh, he got kind of famous in my hometown okay. because he stopped someone, recognized them as a violent criminal. Like right. He stopped for a traffic infraction, recognized them as a violent criminal, okay. and like pulled them out of the car. And this would have been late 80s, early 90s. Okay. So like hero cop shit yes you know very cool he got he got a lot of recognition at that point in time see i just think like all the movies that were made in the 80s and early 90s of you know the buddy cop thing where there's the bad guy like we'd like to do this but we have this one problem (laughs) these two cops on the force (laughs) it's like really what if they just took the day off wouldn't you have a problem with the other cops on the force too (laughs) the other hundreds of of officers (laughs) on the team yeah it was one of these like as i got older i was like yeah this is stupid (laughs) The uh, and back to the scene, she is standing on a dock talking with Mike and Marcus. Yeah, Marcus walks to the side and like they're flirty again all of a sudden, <laughs> and like she's tugging on his shirt and they almost kiss. Right, it's it's like he just can't see. He's out of frame, so he has no idea what's going on anymore. Eyeline camera work. I hate it. Yeah, uh, and then the bad guys come to pick up the money, which. She's not even there for the drop-off. Mm-hmm. She's over flirting with uh, Will Mike. Smith. Yeah. yeah. And, it, but in full view, what should be full view of the dudes coming to pick up the money. And it should be like, this is our contact. And she's freaking talking to some dudes. These are problems. Yes. These are, so it, guys, but the problem is that if they're not like problems you have to dig to find. Right. If you just have common knowledge of how society works, you go, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or <laughs> how people can see. <laughs> how vision works yeah they're going back to the the guys that are loading up the car they look back and they saw them they're like Do you, what is that i don't know i didn't i didn't put my contacts in just load the car yeah don't <laughs> don't worry about it i'm sure and at this point they still think they're gangbangers right like from a rival gang so wouldn't they be concerned you'd be concerned being that she's the money person yes yeah um Police Captain Conrad Howard is pissed. However, he's trying to practice therapies that calm his anxiety and anger down. <laughs> Captain Howard demands they find the supplier of ecstasy. Okay, I'm so glad to see you back, Joey Pants. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, after the first movie, how are they back in trouble with all the higher-ups at this station? 
this is why I think this movie's a reboot. It's almost like the first movie never happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I asked this earlier, how does the DEA and MPD not know they're working the same case? I get at the low levels, you know, like Mike and Marcus might not know, but the higher ups would absolutely have to coordinate at some point. Right, Joey Pants should know. Yes, I don't know in real life how much that, uh, don't give me that jurist my addiction crap. <laughs> I don't know how much that actually plays and how much you have to be like, no, we would shoot you. Right. Because we think you're a gang member in our area who's pulling off violent crimes. Is this the scene where he goes up and he goes, you, you, you destroyed 12 cars and a boat? How did you sink a boat? Yes. <laughs> Look at these guys. They're detecting. They're detecting things over here. I got to call the forensic guys. <laughs> and, and look what they're doing over there. <laughs> Yeah, I, th this, I will say this, this introduction to Captain Howard, I think is better than the introduction in the first movie. He's a, he's a fuller character in this movie. Yes, also, they give him more to do. Yes, and his whole, like, his outfits, he's wearing, like, a lot of pastels, uh, uh, and which is interesting, and it fits in with his new persona. Uh, woosa. Woosa, woosa. <laughs> Don't forget your therapies, Captain. Woosa. Woosa. <laughs> Uh, back at Johnny Tapia's, we learn that rats are eating his money while it sits there waiting to be laundered. He can't kill one of his henchmen because their mothers were cousins. Mm -hmm. that, Tapia's daughter gets a slew of fat jokes thrown at her. A, a child, not yeah. like a, a teen or adult person, a like nine-year-old, eight, nine-year-old kid. <laughs> and Jordy Boya makes acting look almost as difficult as Kevin Costner. <laughs> I would say more so. I would say more so. I'm gonna go to bat for. I'm gonna go to bat for Costner on this one. This is what happens when they don't put a synopsis in there. I have to make that up. Uh -huh. <laughs> but God bless Michael Bay. But he's 0 for two in creating a good villain for this series. This guy, he uh, Alexi is better. Yes. Um, the second in command, the guy that stands behind the the cousin or the second cousin, I guess. Uh, he's more interesting. Yeah. Like you see him later and he's actually like doing things once in a while and he's got a better look, I think. I just, here's the thing. I, this goes back to something that I mentioned in my summary to the last movie, mm -hmm. which is that this movie's got to make a choice. If you're going to be a buddy cop movie with those two pinballing off of each other with, with jokes and all that, then you have to keep it just on their relationship and not try to shove something else into the problem because they already have their problem. Their problem is their honesty with themselves. They don't mm -hmm. need an outside problem. When you put that in there, you're like, well, let's manufacture somebody. Okay, Johnny Tilapia, which you said. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make him a problem. Okay, we did in the first movie. Yeah, but they need something else. They didn't need anything else. That was the problem over here. But that is, that's the lethal weapon, like, imprint, right? You have Mr. Joshua. Mr. Joshua, yes. Yes, you have to, you have this heavy that they're gonna have to face at some point, and who is the equal, he, he should be the uh, action equal of Mike. Okay. Someone who is like in it for the thrills. Yeah. And you actually get a little bit of that character work in there. Here, you just don't get it. No. There's, it's, the villains are flat. It, they, they're, here's the thing, Johnny Tapia tries to be charismatic, mm -hmm. but he just comes off as annoying. Why isn't it a name actor? I, well, Jordy Moya, he looks like Jared Leto. <laughs> He's got that going for him. I'm trying to think what else he's done because I know I've seen him in other things. Okay. Um, usually playing the exact same type of character, I'm sure. Um, 
Marcus and Mike go to confront the Haitian gang leader, which results in a firefight and the leader revealing that his information about the transport came from his friend's camcorder. Uh, <laughs> why hasn't Mike heard from Marcus about the transfer? This is where Lethal Weapon got it right. Riggs always knew when Murtaugh was going to retire. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Uh, they destroy that one guy's shop. Now they're best friends again. <laughs> and this is part of the ping pong, right. part of the, the pinball, right, of it. When they're walking up to it, they're butting heads the whole time. Right. And you leave the previous scene with them, like, walking separately. Even. They're not happy with each other. They go into this guy's store and break all of his stuff. In a dance routine. Yes. Which <laughs> is, this is uh, the beginning of my complaints of how he shoots action. Yes. Okay. Is there's no mise-en-scene, right? There's no table setting of what are we looking at? What are the different things in play here? There's no uh, Chekhov's gun. Okay. Right? You don't get like... Contextually, ooh. the scene never fits in with what you just established. Yes. You don't have... Uh, because in this, they break all these glass items. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. never see them except for in close-ups. Right. When they're smashing them. There's no, like, they walk in and you see this guy has all of these, I don't know, crystal objects and stuff laying yeah. around. It's... You don't see it until they break them. Is that a Michael Bay trope then in that his action is always way too damn close? Oh, there's so many close-ups in this film. Yeah. And everything is like a macro shot or, you know, this big wide, you, you, it's part of my theory. He was, uh, he's more cohesive than Zack Snyder. Yes. But where Snyder is like, okay, the whole thing is going to lead up to me having one cool shot. Right. right? One epic shot. This is like the the overall feeling and the overwhelming nature uh, is going to just, you're, you're going to subsume you like a tidal wave. Zack Snyder's playing poker, hoping he gets an ace in his hand every single time. Mm -hmm. Michael Bay is happy having nines and tens. Yes. <laughs> but, but he will, You can win with it. Yeah. But you're not gonna have an ace. <laughs> he, he, he's gonna grind you down. Yes. He yeah. Is. Uh, I wrote it here the quote. The guy goes, "The devil is not welcome here." <laughs> <laughs> this guy would be a better villain. Absolutely, it would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. This is a cool set piece when they're in the house mm -hmm. where they got both parties on opposite sides of the wall and there's two doors connecting the rooms from either side. I think that's a cool idea. The problem is they start shooting, but no one has a line of sight. No, they're <laughs> basically think of it like a, uh, you would know this. Uh -huh. What would be the shape? Like a trapezoid, a trapezoid where there's not, there's not a square. No. It, it's not where, like, they can shoot straight. They're shooting out. Yes. I'm making big arm motions here, everybody. No, you... <laughs> <laughs> They're shooting explicitly <laughs> away from the other people. <laughs> like, they're each the point of a triangle, and they're shooting away from the base. Like, considering what you said earlier about how they did the shot in the club, mm -hmm. they could have very, very easily done a top-over shot and kept it there for this scene. Yes. And but then you then you go, oh, Marcus is nowhere near the action. Okay, never mind. Which I mean, it makes sense that he would be, and he makes a joke out of it in the following the the end of the sequence, right? Yeah. Where he's like, oh, the bullets and the you know, I was like, he's got <laughs> uh, 
plaster from the bathroom wall all over him. <laughs> it's which, got toilet water all over <laughs> Which carries into the next scene. He does not even wipe his face off. No, <laughs> he no. He just goes, they go about doing their detecting, and he, he's still covered in <laughs> he, all this. He clearly has PTSD at this point. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, uh, but... <laughs> Marcus is just hiding in the bathroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The layout of this house makes no sense for this action scene. It's cool. It, but but it's, it's cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, because Mike uses a mirror to shoot. I'm done. This is stupid. Well, <laughs> and it's not even, like, I could accept one, but I it is a mirror looking into a mirror because that guy is directly behind him. So he's not across the room. Like like a, a seal, a Navy seal might use one mirror to like see somebody down a hallway and kind of line up a shot. I, uh, not gonna, this is where I got my idea the other day for using the mirror to see into the room. <laughs> it was from this movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. Bad Boys 2 left an imprint on me. <laughs> it's made an impact in your life. The look on all your faces too when I said, I'm gonna use my thieves tools to put a mirror on the end. Like you were like, the hell is he talking about? It's <laughs> a great move. Yes. Didn't yield anything, but you know what we're going to do. Um, Marcus shouldn't be an active duty detective. He's clearly not built for this job if this is what we're getting out of him. If the dude really is ping-ponging this much, he's got fast rapid cycling bipolar disorder. That's a problem. Yes. You don't want that guy with a gun. Well, okay. So they're clearly in therapy. Yes. But from what I've learned from all the other police movies and police procedurals, if IA has you in therapy, you aren't active. Right, you'd be on a desk. Right. Yep. (laughs) No, they're out there. I mean, uh, Mike is getting sloppy toppy from his his therapist. Yes, he is. And, and at first I was like, is that the same therapist? (laughs) Oh, right, that would be amazing. But yeah, Mike doesn't waste any time. No, he 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 bounces back. Yes, uh, yeah. The only thing missing out of that scene was just like this load of spit coming out of the girl's mouth. <laughs> that'd be about it. <laughs> I, I do love when they, uh, because this is all in the beginning after Marcus gets shot in the rear end. It's not near the hole. It's in the meat. It's in the meat. <laughs> it's in the meat. Uh, but they're doing. They do all these flashbacks as gags, which. You know, that's a great little structure. And uh, uh, Marcus tells Mike, like, man, you need to go to therapy. And goes, oh, I did. Remember last year when I shot all those people? <laughs> it is so nonchalant about it. And I'll give it credit for this. They did do something different with that, with the flashbacks, because that was never in Bad Boys 1. Right. It was just like, okay, I see what we're doing here. It's going to be a sketch comedy for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, after viewing the footage, Marcus and Mike find out that a local business, the Spanish Palms Mortuary, a business owned by Tapia's mother, is possibly being used as a front for money laundry by Tapia. They don't have anyone at the precinct that can work this camcorder. They went to a freaking, it was basically a Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, my, my first thought was, this is a manufactured joke then. Like, this is not a legit situation. They're mm-hmm. doing this simply for the joke, not for anything else. They could have played it off very easily. I can, I can understand the situation. Yeah. They could have explained it by saying, we're hot on his trail. We don't have time to go back to the precinct. We don't have time for the paperwork. Because they do that over and over in this movie. They're like, oh, no, fuck a warrant. But they go to Fletcher right after this. Yes. So they did have time. 
but they could have i feel like you could have gotten away even if you know in retrospect it doesn't make sense but walking into the scene it doesn't make sense see i look at the scene and i think to myself if this was a movie made in 2023 then you'd have seen the movie and then when you get the blu-ray and you see oh deleted scenes this is a deleted scene okay because you don't need this scene at all for what fletcher's about to tell them at the precinct anyway right so if you pull this out and you go oh my gosh that was a great, you didn't see this deleted scene where they're at the Best Buy? <laughs> you know, it's so good, but I understand why they cut it out. <laughs> there are at least three good jokes in here though. Yes. That I understand why they kept it. Right. <laughs> but what's funny is that, cause somebody, I mentioned this to somebody else and they go, well, it's the same joke as in 40 year old virgin. Where oh, yes, yes. He, he pulls his pants down and has the camera going, look at my ass. Yeah, that yeah. ass is going out of the town, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, but that's because they worked at the store. Right. These ones legitimately just drove to one to drive back to the precinct where they should have gotten it done to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I got Fletcher's doing exactly what he's supposed to go for. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what he's there for. I'm glad he's back for his bit part. Uh, must have taken time off of the uh, best damn sports show. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that was that was airing at the time. Okay, yeah. Uh, Marcus knows that everything they get here is inadmissible in court because they would need a warrant. But Michael Bay don't fuck with warrants. <laughs> Who needs a warrant? Who needs paperwork? Who needs you know actual channels? They're not planning on prosecuting this guy. They're planning on murderizing him. Murderizing. Yes. <laughs> the only thing missing is the scene where he goes, "I need both your badges now." Yeah. <laughs> You're off the case. You're off the case. <laughs> Fine, we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> uh, and so they they get the results back like instantaneously though. Mm -hmm. From everything they do. There's no like we're sending it to the lab and we're gonna have to it is <laughs> they kinda like poke someone and find out immediately what they need. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What does the one lady say at the best? But she goes, I don't know what kind of establishment you got running here. Nothing but porno and <laughs> what porno kind of and homos. She said, Yes, yes. <laughs> what kind of freak ass store is this? <laughs> Y'all two need Jesus, which might be the the instigation of that as a as a joke line. As yes, a, as a punchline. Yeah. Y'all two need Jesus. Yeah, I was like, wow, they really did a hard homo on that one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Disguised as Pestis Terminator, since Tapia has a major rodent problem, the detectives penetrate Tapia's mansion and discover that Tapia has eliminated some of his Russian distributors and has begun to woo the former associate, Sid, who is still undercover with the DEA and has refocused the investigation towards Tapia. Okay. There's rat sex. Mm -hmm. And it's missionary. Yeah, it is. I was reading your notes as I'm watching the movie, right? Like, I, I pause and I read to get what I'm going into so I can follow the plot. And I'm like, okay. And First then I'm like, he wrote was, there's rat sex missionary style. And I'm like, there's no way. He's got to be thinking of doggy style. Or, or Joe has a different idea of what missionary is. And then I look at it and no, it is missionary style rat sex. <laughs> The lady rat is on her back. Yeah, it was. Marcus goes like that. The, the boy rat is pile driving. <laughs> yes, and it looks so fake. Oh yeah. And I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> it, it feels like a like a, a Zucker Brothers movie, right? Like an airplane or a Naked Gun right? joke. It's just one more thing where I'm laughing, knowing full well. I'm not watching a good movie. This is, 
this is funny as hell. Uh-huh. But scenes like this aren't in good movies. <laughs> uh, they've got all those cameras all over the place, but nobody's bothering to clean up the blood in the sink. No wonder they have rats. <laughs> okay, you undersold this. When you say blood in the sink, I was picturing like... A little bit in the drain. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The, the, <laughs> the entire area is splattered like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> like, it was... They walked into 2013's Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, they're... There is viscera yes. dripping off the walls. It's unsettling how much blood is on that sink. Uh, and a finger. <laughs> a finger with a ring. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Does Johnny Tapia have to say his full name every time he talks about himself? <laughs> um, okay. Tapia kills a guy. Tapia's mom comes out and asks what happened. Mm -hmm. Tapia says the guy killed himself. Tapia's mom asked him to write the victim's mom a nice letter. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, it, she, I'm at this point going, I kind of want to watch Bad Boys 1. At least I took some of this shit seriously. <laughs> oh, it, this is a cartoon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, sad. Oh, sad. <laughs> yeah, right. Her reaction's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> write him a nice letter. And I put in here, I really wish they'd involved Reyes and Vargas, the mm -hmm. other two detectives, more in this movie, because I think it would have made a more interesting dynamic. So that's interesting. The I would have liked it fleshed out more because mm -hmm. what we see, uh, one of the two, Reyes or Vargas, right, uh, says in the beginning, like, because they're always ping-ponging off of each other. The most racist jokes you could come up with. The, <laughs> except for the, the two uh, Latinos, it's gay jokes yes. towards Mike and Marcus, and Mike and Marcus, it's racist jokes right. <laughs> back to them. It is constant. Oh, oh, no, because Vargas and Reyes pulled the fried chicken joke out also in this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Fried chicken and grape soda. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, there's no lines in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but once again, as soon as the guys need something, right? It's Reyes and Vargas are like, okay, we're on your side immediately there's that like brotherhood of cops where they but well it, until they get to the mortuary and they have to drive the truck into the mortuary yes and then they're kind of like i don't know if we can do that man we got enough on our record right yeah. now it's like dude you've been on board all the way through yes <laughs> yeah you you were into the illegal wiretapping right <laughs> um the detectives also recover evidence linking Tapia to one of the boats involved in the clan raid in the swamps. Floyd Poteet, one of the Klansmen, is taken by the boys from jail for whatever reason. Uh, what was the reason? There's, okay, at this point, there's so many things I don't understand because it seems like uh, Tapia has the drugs and the money. Yes. <laughs> he has both. Yes. And he's selling the, I don't, I don't get that part. It doesn't make any sense to me. Are we just not smart enough to be drug dealers? <laughs> it could be. Maybe you have to launder your drugs as well. You know, it's been, it, yeah, I, I, I should read up on this. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that on your search history, though. No, 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 no. I won't use my school computer for that. Uh, we also get the scene where Marcus and Mike are waiting at the jail for Floyd Poteet. Uh-huh. Um, which is kind of like, okay, what's the point? <laughs> So there's two, and we, we glossed over the previous one, where they have uh, tender moments that are like overrun by jokes. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. Where it's like they were saying something serious. Uh, first one is Marcus coming out to Mike with his erectile dysfunction problems. <laughs> and that's one of the jokes that I did love where Mike is like, this is our boundary box. <laughs> we're we're going to put in here uh, the word flaccid. Yep. You can never say that to me again. You can never. And uh, your penis problems. That's going. <laughs> and it's. <laughs> what do you say? It's going in the ocean. It's going. We're going to put it in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> that was during the Best Buy scene. Yes. Yeah. And you have to be fucking Jacques Cousteau <laughs> to get that box and open it back up. Which is a very, very funny scene in itself. Yes. That being said, it's also a tender scene. If that scene is working outside the police station, it's one thing. But they go, let's put it on every monitor in the store also. And it's yeah. like, now we're seeing the food from uh, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, and not the exposition over here. That's more important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I got to say, Mike, you blasted my ass the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a sound of my soundboard at some yeah. point. <laughs> um, okay, so, but they get Floyd Poteet out of jail. Yes. Simply to identify a boat? Boats got names painted on them. Right. Yeah. Um, we get the hammock scene where Sid spills the bean on Sid and Mike's relationship in front of Marcus. So, first of all, Sid and Mike are sitting on a hammock like like lovers would be. Right. And Marcus is just sitting there. Uh, also, the eye lines and where they're speaking for the first half of the scene, you think that... Marcus is in front of them. No. Yeah. It's He's like, behind them, above. Yeah. You don't, if it was one wide shot and you saw all this, yeah. like laid out the geography, you'd go, okay, that makes sense. Here, it looks like they're speaking forward and the way he's turned, but there's several shots like this where he's crossing the 180 line, basically. Okay. Yeah. And breaking conventions. But even if you turn the sound off on this, mm-hmm. just turn the sound off and look at the scene, you know who's dating and you know who's on the outside. Oh, yes, 100%. Which makes you wonder, if these detectives can't figure this shit out, what the fuck is the problem? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's when Marcus tells Mike he's transferring. And that is where, uh, during that shot, the shot back to Mike, uh, the focus is really soft. I did not know On Will Smith. Okay. And it makes me feel like there were a lot of improv. Okay. Between these guys. And like, they were just grabbing stuff because also during the interrogation of the, the boyfriend scene. Yes. Uh, oh, that had to be improv. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some of those shots where it's like the focus is off just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after pressuring one of the arrested Klansmen into making Tapia's boat, the de- detectives find themselves involved in another firefight, this time while pursuing a morgue van from the docks carrying emptied cadavers. Uh, this movie has a lot of shoot, shoot, shoot scenes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, this is what this is when they run into Dan Marino. Uh, right before Dan Marino, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael freaking Bay. <laughs> in, uh, is he wearing a bucket hat? He is wearing a bucket yeah. hat. Yeah, he's in Michael Bay regalia. I stopped the movie, I was like, is that Michael Bay? Yep. Yep. <laughs> if somebody doing Michael Bay cosplay practically, like he he literally walked up from behind the monitor and he was like, I want to be in this shot. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the nerdiest man ever. Yes. Just, I don't know, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I have figured out the formula in this movie. First, you find evidence to the location of next action scene. Mm-hmm. Then you banter about non-plot related items before the action scene. 
During the action scene, Marcus has to constantly freak out while Mike is cool as a cucumber. And when the action scene is over, Marcus needs a break from Mike. Rinse and repeat. They do this three times in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you could you can easily excise one of these and get a shorter movie that's more compact. The the banter, yeah, is funny. Absolutely, for, for the most part. And I love Martin Lawrence in this whole movie. Yes, uh, and you know it's it shows the strength of those two performers. Yes, basically, uh, and why they are who they are outside of the film. You're like, oh, those are charismatic movie stars. Right. Yes. Uh, My complaint is not with Will Smith or Martin Lawrence in this movie because their chemistry is still good. Yeah. Uh, They could, I don't think they could excise, but you could totally shorten any of the little interrogation scenes that they do. Yeah. Yeah. With somebody. uh, And uh, the action scenes, the action scenes kept me engaged, which in a lot of movies, the action scenes are where I like snooze out a little bit. Okay. where, Where you get the zone out where you're like, Okay, the good guys are going to come away with whatever they need. Yeah, and that's something I could never understand. Like, I can't, I'm, I'm someone who can't zone out during an action scene because I'm always afraid I'm going to miss something. Okay. Like, I love action scenes that have plot details ingrained in them, where a character is going to show some choice that's made in the action scene that's like, oh, they're doing something different here. Right. You know, and I, I know I've, we've bantered back and forth about Phantom Menace's. Uh, yes thing but there are choices made by Anakin in that that make you want to continue to watch because you're like okay we're seeing his character make choices here that will affect him later on mm-hmm. and when I I when I like but then there's like the Bourne series you've watched, we watched all three Bourne movies right yeah yeah or four if you count Renner's yeah uh, but those action scenes do make me want to fall asleep because there is no character growth in those it's just cool Okay. And I, and I get fatigued because I'm seeing the same thing. I get it. Early on in that series, uh, the action scenes work. Yes. Really, really well because he's discovering his own abilities. Yes. Uh, contrast that with here. You know Mike is an expert marksman. <laughs> you know he's, a, a, I don't know, world-class uh, race car driver. Absolutely. <laughs> is he a Maury Sue? There you go. He's a Maury Sue. <laughs> everything. Everything this guy He's tries. great at everything. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about that. I can't remember what other movie I was watching uh, where I was like, this this is a guy, Mary Sue. Like, everything is... Oh, no. it's a It was a book that I'm reading. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's The the Name of the Wind. The, the main character, everything he does, he's like, oh, my parents trained me for this when I was five. <laughs> Oh, I know about poisons because I worked with this guy. Oh, I know how to shoot a bow and arrow because I stopped in this town. You're like, really? If there's one thing I contribute to this world before I die, it'll be the term Maurice. <laughs> I want that to be a thing so badly. I coined it. It's a Joe Sarah original. <laughs> and I want credit for this shit for Eternum. <laughs> Uh, okay, it's Miami. Why the hell is Mike wearing a beanie? It's 95 degrees outside, man. You walked in and it's 90 degrees and I got hot. Yes. <laughs> um, tell me about what you write there. Okay. So I loved the first time they did this. This is like a cut and paste of the first like car chase, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Except for instead of cars, this time it's cadavers. <laughs> right. Flying out the back. Uh, of this morgue van 
And They're already dead. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> but they show them getting run over. Yes. Like straight up. And uh, Mike is driving. They skid around a corner. One of the corpses come flying. <laughs> it hits the front of the car and the dude's head flies <laughs> off and into the camera. It rolls like directly in front of the crash cam. And it's, it's, oh, oh, chef's kiss. It's beautiful. <laughs> you think you put that, some dude lost his ass. Some dude lost his head. That's, you, this is when you know you're getting a real-time reaction from me. Yeah, you're right. right? <laughs> like, I could see you, like, doing this on your, like, using the mic feature. It's like, some dude lost his head. There's not even a period. <laughs> oh. uh, the train rail scene. It's a cool set piece, mm -hmm. but... <laughs> Spider-Man 2 did it better. Spider-Man 2 did it better. <laughs> as soon as that started, I was like, this looks familiar. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just realized where I know Detective Reyes from. He's the guy from Seinfeld who yells at Kramer for not wearing the ribbon. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Yeah. I was like, wow, he's a totally different character here. <laughs> Good for him showing some range. I was going to say, get this guy some jobs, man. Yeah. I mean, it's 2023. It's 20 years later, but I'm sure he's still working. <laughs> okay. My favorite line from Captain Howard here. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you guys. Do you get up in the morning, call each other up? Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I. <laughs> <laughs> so how are we going to fuck up the captain's life today? Gee, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, look over there. Let's kill three fat people and leave them on the street. <laughs> Every time you leave a corpse on the street, I have to get these detective guys to come in and see what happens. See, they're detecting shit. <laughs> then I've got get these forensic coroner guys to stick them back in the fucking bag. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is a good Joey pants. Thank you. I'm here all week. It, it merged a little bit into uh, a little bit, uh, you know, Pesci from Lethal Weapon 3. <laughs> I was thinking uh, my cousin Vinny. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Hey, fuck you on the cell phone plan. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's, once again, a cut and paste of the earlier joke. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, here comes Captain Howard, ready to re ream them a new one, but let them go scot-free. <laughs> I'm convinced Joey Pants did two days at work for this whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in three scenes. He's, he's in three scenes, and they're all, it's three different locations. Three so different locations. It would have to be three days of work, probably. Well, wait. Three half days, maybe. The first location was on a city street, wasn't it? No, he's in the, the office. That's right. He's yeah. in the office. So, yeah, one, two, and then the third one, he's at home. Yep. And Marcus is wearing his kimono. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, the woosah, Captain. Did you just call me a tick? <laughs> okay, when Floyd Poteet comes out of the trunk, I'm on the floor laughing at this point. Yeah. Like, it's icing on the cake. <laughs> just he, You're right. His mugging to the camera when he gets out of that thing, just... <laughs> and him, Joey Pants is out there, and he's just more and more frustrated with these guys. And then the back of that car starts rocking. And he's like, what the hell is this now? What did you guys do? And I love that they've totally forgotten about him. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So is all of us. <laughs> but... They he plants it really well. Yeah. Uh, with at the beginning of the chase sequence, you see. I think the last time you see him is maybe when they jump over the train tracks mm -hmm. and he's bouncing around back in there. Yeah. Uh, but he did not get mixed up enough to be facing the wrong direction when he comes out. 
Like his head is on the other side. And I don't know the last time you were in a trunk. It's been a while. Okay. There's not a lot of room to do flips in there. No, yeah. no, you gotta be tiny. And even then you're doing kind of like the, uh, the embryo roll, just <laughs> shuffle around yes. in the womb. <laughs> not that I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Marcus tells Mike, he's going to transfer and walks away. Okay. He told him twice. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, later that day, Marcus's daughter is going on a date. Marcus and Mike answer the door to intimidate the boy. And this is the most famous scene from this movie, and it has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> is it the most famous scene? It really is. is. I think this do? scene has gone more viral than anything else from this movie. Mm. There are people who've never seen Bad Boys 2, but know this scene. See, I had never seen Bad Boys 2, and I had no context for this scene. Really? Yes. Okay. Also, uh, the dudes, once again, the previous scene, the not even, it's in the same sequence when these guys are like, oh, I'm... I'm tra- <laughs> right. gonna transfer away from you, and he's like, "Oh, so I'm mad at you." And then they come together to harass this boy. Well, yeah, I remember Mike opened up a yearbook. Uh, that's true, and that saved their relationship again because you Wait. did that in the first movie. Yeah, reboot. <laughs> <laughs> or he loves looking at yearbooks. Uh, Marcus opening the doors like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but then he like leads it and you can tell he's like a foot and a half smaller than this kid. Yes. <laughs> it's like, who you motherfucker? <laughs> the, uh, Bet the, you look 30. Yeah. <laughs> then when Mike comes back up and he's like, well, you look 30. It's, I'm like, that's a very good. Pulls out a gun, waves it in his face. Now, if this was any other movie, if this movie were a better movie, <laughs> I would be horrified. This is like, you did. How? They still have their badges? Yes. <laughs> oh, especially when uh, Mike pretends that he's a recent parolee yeah. and starts shouting, I ain't going back to prison. And he starts waving his gun around. No, nah, bitch, get out the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you get Teresa Rango, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Don't worry about her uncle and whatever. Like, yeah. He just had a gun in his face. You don't shake that off. <laughs> uh, the kid stood strong though. Yes, he did. He didn't flinch. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> he, he wants this date. He's either the worst actor ever or there's fight, flight, and freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and we know which one he is. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Mike and Marcus decide to infiltrate Tapia's mortuary disguised as ambulance workers. Uh, oh, another disguising thing. Mm-hmm. Where they learn that the drug lord is using dead bodies to smuggle his drugs and money. The mission is nearly sabotaged when the pair are almost discovered, resulting in Marcus accidentally ingesting some of the ecstasy and Mike ordering the disguised officers outside the building to crash in ambulance into it, creating a diversion. <sighs> now remember, when I first saw this, this was my first scene. Okay. So from here on out, you're gonna see the movie now that I first saw. Got it, got it. I didn't have all the ridiculousness before, uh-huh. <laughs> but you could watch the movie from this point and go, hey, it's pretty good. So not only do you not need the first movie, you don't need the first half of this <laughs> You don't movie. need the first half of this one. <laughs> okay, the boobs on the cadaver. Damn, Michael Bay, have you no shame? <laughs> okay, when they reveal them, you're, you're like, Damn. <laughs> I did. I said it out loud. What the fuck? Uh, it's ironic that this is where you caught the movie because the beginning of this scene when they're like uh, out in the rain still. Yes. This is where I, I moused over 
to the little time bar mm-hmm. to see how much time was left in the movie because I was like, we got to be getting close to the end. <laughs> no. And there's like 48 <laughs> minutes left or something. I was like, holy <laughs> crap. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Marcus goes from sick to overconfident with the cash back to sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, the top of that cadaver's head did just fall off. Uh, he's got some bad puke acting here. It's though. not good. No, it's it, it, and it doesn't even look like he like held much in his mouth to spit out. It was like yeah, yeah. he pukes from his mouth, not from his throat. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when you just do the that right there, it's like me acting in a drug scene, <laughs> <laughs> which I still haven't seen that yet. <laughs> Something tells me it will not be used. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um. Of course, two pills just happen to land in the glass so Marcus can ingest it and give us another brilliantly funny scene. <laughs> but this is the same ecstasy that is killing regular users. This killed somebody at Alexi's club. Yes. Yeah. But Marcus will be just fine so long as he's cold. Yeah, which it, that's true. Is it true? Yeah, you have to keep uh, a lot of hydration and you have to keep cool because people at concerts at like Bonnaroo and stuff, mm-hmm. it's one of the problems that they have. Is that's people, right. Yeah. I'm remembering from the, the movie Go now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of my most favorite underrated movies of the 90s. Yeah. Um, another Timothy Oliphant joint. Man, he's having a year right now. <laughs> you see, they did, they're making, they made a new Justified? Yes. I have, I'm like, should I watch the first seven seasons? I've watched the first episode. Yeah. And it was one of these shows where I was like, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to it at some point. That was like five years ago. Yeah. I, you know, Chuck, who Elizabeth used to work with. Yeah. Uh, he got me to watch Justified. And I was like, okay. And I watched it. And I was like, I mean, it's good. Mm-hmm. But I'm not stopping my watch of suits to watch this. Okay. I started watching Suits. I had never seen that before. Uh-huh. I love it. Really? Like, how did I miss out on this? Beautiful people, law, money, <laughs> snappy dialogue that's not realistic. I'm in. <laughs> You've ticked all my boxes. It's, it's tickling my funny bone. Um, okay. Mike and Marcus go to Captain Howard's house to obtain a search warrant. But Marcus is clearly... High on the ecstasy he ingested earlier on accident. This is the second most iconic move seen from this movie. <laughs> Once again, I had no clue about this one. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, From the beginning, though, this is where uh, Marcus shines. And Will Smith's straight man in this is brilliant. Yeah. Especially when you realize that his straight man is still funny. Right. Like, when he walks down the stairs, he goes... Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but like so many things in this movie, at the end of the scene, they just come clean. Yes. He's just like, oh, he, he took some X on accident. It was like, it's a magic trick. We're going to do the magic trick, and then we're going to tell you what the trick was. Right. And it's like, well, well, at least get away with it at one point. <laughs> yeah. Did we really need, like, yes, you needed all the jokes because they work. Yes. Uh him rubbing the Buddha statue and then like pulling out his nips. <laughs> hey, Mike, Mike, <laughs> take my picture. Take my picture. <laughs> if he had said, draw me like one of your French girls, I would have died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marcus comes down the stairs in the captain's bathrobe. I'm dying. Uh, and then <laughs> that's when captain's kind of like, okay, what the fuck's going on? And they come clean. You're right. And they get him in the shower to cool him off, called mm-hmm. up poison control. <laughs> 
He's still high as a kite, though. But when he comes out, he opens his towel and yes. looks down, and you know what's going to happen. Right. I almost phrased that differently. And <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up? There you go. There you go. Uh, and he, he says something along the damn, I finally got hard. Damn, I got an erection. Call, Call Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> Tell her I'm on the way. <laughs> Nailed what, it. And we never get uh, to know if he actually gets to, you know, culminate. Or if he now becomes an ex-head. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> his main problem we know from his relationship is he can't have sex. This is the solution. Mm-hmm. Although still wouldn't make him a good cop. That, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the mortuary and Tapia's mansion are raided with the drugs and money being intercepted by the U.S. Coast Guard. However, the mansion raid is botched when a vengeful Russian gangster, Alexei, violently storms the mansion on his own, intending to have revenge against Tapia for murdering his friends. Alexei is, however, unable to get to Tapia, so he is shot by the police. And when I saw him walk up to the house, I don't know why this entered my head first. It was the story that Philip Seymour Hoffman tells in Twister of the extreme walking up to the tornado oh, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a drink. <laughs> like, I'm like, look, Alexi is the extreme right now. <laughs> the, they've turned Alexi into like a really shitty villain. Yes. He should have been so great. And they give him this send off. I mean, there's a lot of squibs use. Very much so. Which is cool. But I don't think this is my both a uh, a high point and a low point okay. for me is the fact that the character consistency is not there. The guy who we see at the beginning of the movie would have been smarter than to do what he does. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they they sidelined Alexi for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> we this is the first time we've seen him since the OD situation, right? Oh no, since since he since the the chase at the very beginning. Yeah. We haven't seen him since then. Yeah. But here he is. Fucking thing's up. Uh, I put, ah, there we go. When Sid, gets, when Sid is caught, we get the film shot of panning upwards as the heroes stand upright. The Michael Bay hero shot. Well, that's because shit just got real, Joe. And say it with me, because it looks cool. cool. <laughs> Sid is discovered by Tapia and is kidnapped by him and taken to Cuba. With Sid held prisoner in Tapia's compound and guarded by the Cuban military, the drug lord demands the return of his money in 48 hours in exchange for Sid's life. The movie needed more serious moments like this between Marcus and Mike when they're by themselves if this is going to be the reboot to the series, though. Because this is when they talk about, it's Sid, we gotta get her, you know? Right. It, the serious moment, and this was not undercut by any humor. Yes, exactly. That's it, why, remember, from where I saw this movie mm -hmm. to that, I'm like, all right, this looks pretty cool. Right. You expect <laughs> that maybe they had a couple, uh, at least one yes. serious scene before this where the at their low point, they, sh they should have had the, uh, you know, I'm upset with you, you're upset with me, we're walking away from each other, and actually stuck to that for a minute. The first movie did it too much. Yes. This one didn't do it enough. And it, I almost feel like it tried to sidestep the trope, which actually works in these movies, which is, but we need to come together 
for this one thing right here because we're both invested. Yes, exactly. They and I know it's a it's a trope in these movies, but it it's a trope because it works. Yep. <laughs> and that's once you know uh, that the structure, right? Even if they don't stick to anything else, there's so many times the beginning of the third act, you've got that the the group has disbanded. Yes. All is lost moment before they rally and come back. And to be fair, by international law, yes, the it, movie's over now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, they, any of the stuff that happens cannot happen. Uh, Mike and Marcus, along with their voluntary SWAT team and Sid's DEA co-workers, prepare a military assault, which is illegal, to rescue, rescue Sid from Tapia's home in Cuba. <laughs> During the battle, Mike and Marcus extract Sid and escape Tapia's home, which is blown up. Johnny Tapia didn't know what the Last Supper was. He yells at his painters for the mural when he when he finds out what it was. Is there a line earlier where he says something about being painted as Jesus or something? Yes. Okay. He goes, "I wanted to be painted like Jesus," and the daughter goes, "It's the Last Supper." <laughs> but there should have been a line way earlier, like when there should have been some acknowledgement that. Dude has two houses, or is this the same? I don't understand. I don't know. If he took Sid to go to Cuba, and he's here, I assume they're in Cuba. Yes, but the the house with the rats is a different house. Right. In Miami. Yes. Okay. So are they in Miami? Well, no, because they destroy the uh, Cuban, uh, I forget the, the term for the collection of huts during the, the chase right. directly after this. You're right, you're right, yes. you're right. Uh, that put down here, isn't any of this sanctioned by the United States? Isn't this an international problem? If it isn't, we could go down there and take care of any human trafficking issues that we have. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't need a Liam Neeson running around taking care of it. Right. We would just do it as a military coup. Uh, also, in this sequence, you get the dudes, I mean, they're invading Cuba. Yes. Right. You get them uh, in the transport, all painted up and in military garb. And then you get them the next morning wearing like Cuban shirts and they're not wearing any, and they're directly across from the compound. Yeah. I'm like, I thought you were gonna go in under the cover of night and you were like some knee, some Navy SEAL SWAT kind of shit. Josh, that would have made sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now as a homeowner, <laughs> you know, they lease these houses out to movies. Could you imagine being the next door neighbor when they blow this fucker up? They because they, that wasn't a model. They drive a car into part of the house at one point. Yes, and they're like, All right, "We need to blow up this. This is their security center. We need to blow up that first before we do anything else." And they just blow shit up. And again, I'm like, okay, normally you would see no human beings around when the explosion happens, but they put humans in the scene to show you this is a real fucking house. <laughs> After a lengthy pursuit by an infuriated Tapia, they end up in a minefield. <laughs> a literal minefield. It's an actual minefield with mines. 
just outside U.S. Naval Station Gitmo, where Tapia holds Mike at gunpoint, taunting him that the U.S. Navy force can't help him as they are still on Cuban soil. It hasn't mattered so far, Johnny. Tapia also suggests that they will stay in Cuba, not knowing they are aiming their rifles at Tapia. Sid distracts Tapia by killing one of his men, while Marcus rescues Mike with a skillful headshot to Tapia's skull in the middle of the minefield with his last bullet, resulting in Tapia's body being blown up after falling onto a mine. So this sequence, the chase yes. and the uh, the fevered, uh, you know, escape to Gitmo. Yeah. That's the part that I know from the movie. That's the part? That's the part. Okay. Especially the scene is, is Favela. Is that the like the little little town of, of all the huts? Sure. Okay. Let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> when, when they destroy, basically, I don't know. 200 people's living situations right? driving down the side of that hill. <laughs> Although they're uh, apparently manufacturing Coke because they say, oh, I think this is where they're manufacturing Coke. What do you know about it? Well, that shit likes to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how they hand wave the fact that there's just explosions going off while they're driving through all these houses. If the captain hasn't been fired yet, he will be after this. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not just the boys that have gone unsanctioned. It's like half of his precinct yeah the whole team and it's a good shot when like everyone starts walking slowly up to marcus and mike right uh sid should play horseshoes professionally for hitting that mine with that gun and this mine was a, a bouncing betty yes it bounced up and shot out yes but it doesn't hit the good guys no but i know marcus does the hero role yes did mike no okay but Marcus, for no reason. Yeah. Like, once again, because of the geography of the scene, you're like, there's no shrapnel flying past him or anything. Also, he just got shot in the ass. <laughs> That's true. That he happened ain't like nimble. two days ago. He ain't nimble. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, at one point, I think he says, they go, I need a bullet. And he goes, oh, I got one, one in my the, ass. Yes. <laughs> uh, later at the Burnett house because now everything's been resolved. Mike, no international problems whatsoever. Mike has bought Marcus a new pool, replacing a previous pool that had been destroyed in a prior gag. And Marcus finally makes peace with Mike dating Sid and no longer doubts their partnership. Despite the sentiment, Mike's new pool breaks because they hooked the dog to the fucking pool again, again. as they sing the Bad Boys theme song from Cops. Okay, we're going to run the credits through this part of the movie? Is it because the whole movie has felt like a gag reel? <laughs> I think uh, literally it was like, we got to end this thing. We, we have got to get people like we have, we have to let them know that it's done. It's over now. Yeah. You can get up and walk out. Yes. <laughs> but that is all folks. According to top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 15%. Astonishing. Eight fresh, 47 rotten. And look, that means 15% thinks it's a six or it's less than a six out of 10, which means it could be a bunch of fives out of tens. Yeah, yeah. But the average is a 3.9 out of 10. <laughs> the critics consensus says two and a half hours of explosions and witless banter. <laughs> and that's it. Which I think it is witty banter and two and a half hours of explosions sounds pretty cool to me. It's Michael Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here are several of the rotten ones. Because uh -huh. when you got 47, you can't just limit it to three. Okay, I'm just going to read these. I'm not even going to say who's who wrote them. Okay. Okay, number one, Bad Boys 2 isn't just bad. It's a catastrophic violation of every aspect of cinema that I, as a film critic, hold dear. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
The second one, Bad Boys 2 is enough to make a young person feel old and an old person stop going to the movies. <laughs> the third one, Black Hawk Down on Laughing Gas. Yes. Then we have the cinematic equivalent of Toxic Waste. Uh, an assaultive, bombastic, and occasionally funny spectacle. Okay, A.O. Scott, you don't have a funny bone in your body. Uh, basically the longest, the most expensive, most vulgar, and by far the stupidest episode of Miami Vice ever. <laughs> that one held nothing back. Uh, in some eyes, this is a movie. In others, it's a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> It is the loudest, crassest, fastest, most destructive, biggest, and dumbest. There's no noun in that. It's just adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> biggest and dumbest what? Doesn't matter. Um, just when you thought summer movies couldn't get any louder, more violent, more intentionally brainless, and worst of all, any longer, here comes Bad Boys 2. It's chest all pumped up with pure pointlessness of it all. That's why we went. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the last one. There seem to have been more bullets fired in Bad Boys 2 than in several small wars. Okay. At least 70% of those? Yeah. Sounds like a favorable review to me. I would say so also. <laughs> At, look, if you are someone who loves bad movies, and by the way, we'll talk about Velocipaster later. Okay. <laughs> this movie is kind of like the creme de la creme. Mm -hmm. it, I think this is the best of the bad movies. Okay. Yeah. Like, it doesn't get better than this before you start to go, well, you know what? That was actually a pretty good movie. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, the audience score is a 3.9 out of 5 with 78% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So the audience loved this. Ate it up. Ate it. Movie's over. Josh, were you entertained after this, seeing this for the first time? Mostly yes. Yes. <laughs> I think the highs of this movie are enough to keep it buoyed. Uh, there are, whenever you cut back to the, the bad guys, yeah. the movie goes slack. Absolutely. And their sequences go on for way too long. Uh, I would rather see less of them or put a put a Gary Busey in there. Yeah, and I think that that's where I wrote my line. Honestly, I got bored through parts of this movie. And it was mm -hmm. the parts with Johnny Tapia. Yeah. Like, I don't care about the villain again, Michael. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's see if the awards got it right. Yep. <laughs> it was, got no Academy Award noms, no Golden Globe noms, no Academy of the Science Fiction, Fantasy, or Horror Film nominations. MTV didn't touch this one, and the Golden Raspberries were like, it's not bad enough to be here. But clearly it's not good enough to get nominated for anything else. Right. <laughs> this is what a C looks like. <laughs> it, it should have gotten something for the effects. Based off of what you told me at the beginning, abso-freaking-lutely. If uh, effects or if they did stunts. I wonder what else came out in 2003. Uh, I mean, Pirates. There was probably a Pirates movie. Which I've been rewatching those. Yeah. Yeah. And Black Pearl's amazing. And I'm at, I'm at the one with Davy Jones right now. And I'm like, God, this is good too. Yeah, it really is. Jesus, these are great. <laughs> Why haven't we touched these ones? <laughs> Okay, top three, bottom three. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in the movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. We'll start with the top three. Josh, hit it. Okay. Number three. Yeah. The music. I think that the score and the soundtrack mm -hmm. uh, work really well in the movie. Okay. And it pegs it to the time and place, and it sets the tone for it. Trevor Rabin was the guy. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, and I was trying to think, I know that name. I can't think of what else he's done. I'm looking it up on IMDb right now. Okay. Yeah. So his next most popular thing is? I haven't looked up yet. Oh, son of a. <laughs> okay. I'll move on then. Uh, you come back to that. I will. Okay. Uh, Gabrielle Union. Yes. She's badass. She's smart. She's funny. She's pretty. What more could Mike ask for? <laughs> what more could we ask for? She's the most solid character in this movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I think this might be where we, our paths in the wood diverge. Right? Fair enough. I think that the kinetic energy and gleeful, gleeful ridiculousness of the action scenes and the stunts. There's never a car or a train where someone isn't like dodging out of the way just as it flashes <laughs> past the explosions. There's people at every explosion scene. It's, yep. It is. I think that is delightful. Okay, so Trevor Rabin, he was composer for Con Air. Okay. Armageddon. Yes. I mean, you can hear it in this. Yes. Uh, Enemy of the State. Cool, cool. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. He didn't remember the Titans. Interesting. Yep. Uh, he was the composer on Rockstar. <laughs> Steel Dragon. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Bad Boys 2 is there. Uh, National Treasure. Okay. Um, Glory Road. Gridiron Gang. Get Smart. So the the dude's got a little bit of range. Like. Oh, he's got a... Like, I'm, I'm glossing over... He's done 62 movies. Okay. Uh, the most recent one... Most recent movie that is that people might know... Is, uh-oh. Ooh, there's a drop off here. Oh boy, you fell out of favor, huh? 2010's The Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's another uh, Nick Cage movie? Yeah. Okay. G-Force, Race to Witch Mountain, Get Smart. Okay. Sounds like he, he peaked. Yes. Uh, for me- it, From 99 to 2005. I probably <laughs> recognize him from Gone in 60 Seconds. And for me, it, it's Armageddon. As soon as I read that, I was like, the whole beginning mi uh, music video, Oh yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. thing felt like an Armageddon, Armageddon montage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, time for my my three that I loved. Uh, Marcus and Mike answer the door with the boy who wants to take out Marcus's daughter. <laughs> my number two, Marcus gets high at the captain's house. And my number one, Michael Bay heard the critics. And he gave us more Martin and Will together in scenes. That chemistry works. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Josh, time to vent. Bottom three. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> Marcus, we get it. Like, he's pushed too far. He's got PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, but he pinballs between cocky and uh, over the top. And then the next gag... And not even the next scene, the next shot. Yeah. He might be like falling down, uh, incompetent <laughs> and neurotic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, number two, absolutely wasting the rest of this cast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you wanted more of the Hispanic partners. Yes. Uh, for them to bounce off of. Uh, the huge TNT force, that first scene, you get all these character actors and Henry Rollins, uh, close-ups of all these guys, and you're expecting that they're going to be part of... They come back at the end, especially the, the bald dude with the beard. Uh, he's very, you know, yes. easy to recognize. Uh, where are they in the rest of the movie? They should touch base with them at some point in time. 
I also think that at the beginning, they should have shown that as a success. And then the fail comes in the second part. Mm -hmm. Because if you go in thinking to yourself, oh, it's the same group, they fucked up the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then how about a bad guy who's worth a shit? (laughs) Come on. They need some Bond villains in here. They, in, yeah. It's just, it's, how hard is it to get this right? And we talked about this the other day where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible 3. Yes. Right? He's playing an unconventional uh, bad guy. He's not going to beat you up. Right. He's not going to outthink you. He's He is going to destroy your life slowly. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to hurt her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hurt her real bad. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I believe you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need an ounce of that in um, Johnny Tilapia here. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Tilapia. Bottom dwelling fish. Okay. <laughs> My number three, the rat sex scene, followed by the vat of body parts presented to Alexi from Johnny Tapia. Mm-hmm. Both of these scenes exemplify the problems in this movie from start to finish. It cares more about the jokes than the point, tone, or plot. Okay. My number two, Johnny Tapia and Alexi should have been role reversed. I'm not afraid of Tapia. I'm unsettled by Alexi. Yes. And my number one, bad boy still can't figure out how to balance a plot with realism or relevance. Not a problem. For Not me. a problem for you. Not a problem for me. <laughs> and there's our divergence. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, this will be interesting. So time for the critics rating. Not our fan rating. Critics rating. Uh, because I'm changing my fan rating of this now. Okay. I did not think I was going to have this much fun talking about this movie. Okay. We use an ADF scale here on the movie planet. A, C is considered average. A plus is the highest. F is the lowest. If this movie is so bad, it receives Fs from all the hosts, despite what Josh thinks. It is a movie planet global killer. (laughs) So the movie is, the question is, what do you give 2003's Bad Boys 2 in the action adventure movie genre by today's standards? I will go first and I'll let you have final word on this one. Got it. Okay. Uh, Let's just say I gave Bad Boys 1 a C plus. And with this being a possible reboot, I'd expect that the problems I had with the first Michael Bay outing, he would fix them and get this more in line with what he wanted. You waited eight years for this opportunity. How the hell do you take this many steps back? Between Bad Boys 1, he directed The Rock, Armageddon, and Pearl Harbor. All he had to do was follow the template of the two movies he did well. But instead, he leaned into the mess that was Pearl Harbor. Tonally, this movie is all over the place. It wants to accent the Marcus and Mike relationship and their chemistry, which it does. But it neglects the context of those moments. It either manufactures their scenes from poor plot choices to create a funny moment, or they undercut a serious moment with humor in the wrong place. There's a scene where a rat is having sex with another rat. (laughs) Missionary. And we sit with this for 10 seconds. That's a long time in movie speak. Count to 10 right now. You're still fucking. <laughs> That's 10 seconds, everybody. Don't get me wrong. I laughed through this whole movie. Humor is humor, but this movie felt long, not because of the runtime, but because I felt the director kept running away from the plot in order to correct everything critics had to say about the first movie. Okay. Also, is this movie a reboot? When we left last left Mike, he was with Tay Leone's character. She's not even mentioned in this movie. Marcus was having performance issues in the first movie, and guess what? Still has them. 
Mike is the same partner he's always been. Marcus is the same neurotic and anxiety-ridden partner he's always been. By the end of the first movie, they seem to be bad boys forever. In this movie, they're back to where they were in the first movie and have to rekindle the relationship again. What are we doing here? The action is typically bombastic, as I'd expect in a Bay movie. Lots of explosions, lots of color saturation, lots of chases, lots of damage. It just feels like one or two action set pieces too many, though. This movie didn't need to be a two and a half hour long. And in the end, if it ends here, I'm okay with it. This franchise's experiment failed with Bay, Smith, and Lawrence. Although I will say this, we are not abandoning this franchise. Bad Boys for Life is the best of the three. The first movie was barely above average, and this one's a step back. I'm giving this movie a C, not a C minus. Oh, okay. I'm keeping it. It is the Mendoza line. It is <laughs> everything above, everything below. This is the line for action adventure action movies, as far as I'm concerned. You have to clear this bar to be above average. Got it. But you gotta limbo this bar to be below average. Mm -hmm. It's bad boys too. Josh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> go for it. Okay, you said uh, that Michael Bay. Yes. You thought he would fix the problems with the first one and get more in line with what he wanted. Yeah. He did. <laughs> this is what he wanted. I believe, and I don't know the man from Adam, right? I can recognize him in a car, in, yes. a, in a cameo. Adam's missing a rib. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I think that this is his candy-coated, ultra-violent, ultra-vulgar take on the world. I think that this this is further than uh, anything else has gone. Right? It's the it is the the review. It's the crassest, biggest, dumbest. Right? It this is. is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that Bay is working towards something. Whether which side of it he's very seemingly jingoistic okay when you know yes the military stuff uh kind of the rah rah police force mm -hmm. uh will smith's first line is <laughs> blue power <laughs> <laughs> which in 2003 worked yes and it's amazing how in just 20 years <laughs> <laughs> we forget how equal we really were. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, but here's a review, a very short review from filmmaker Joe Lynch, which I think is in line with all the other ones. Michael Bay unleashed vulgar, disgusting, bombastic, near pornographic. Perfect. Near pornographic. <laughs> it gets me. In just the opening sequence, you have all of the elements that he's going to play with, right? Yeah. You've got uh, go-fast boats. You've got guns. You've got drugs. You have blatant racism played for a big joke. <laughs> oh, and, and flames. It, a cross erupts into fire, and Michael Bay's director credit fades into that flame. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he is like the auteur of vulgarity at this point. I mean, Will Smith is shown as Black Jesus, <laughs> like at least three times with guns outstretched, right? It is a a uh, a prayer to <laughs> violent cinema, to over the top, to candy coated excess. Uh, 
Uh, he has a utter, utter care of uh, utter lack of care for the century of cinematic language that has come before him, right? Shot, reverse shot does not matter in this. He's going to shoot whatever is the coolest and makes the most sense to, once again, I don't know him. I'm not casting aspersions, but a seemingly coke-addled brain. <laughs> in mid-period Marty Scorsese films, right, you've got all these sweeping shots and an actual shot where you go up a coke straw into somebody's nose. Michael Bay's entire, this entire film is that shot just over and over again. He does. He cares more about the gestalt of a scene rather than the logistics of it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that he cares about the script, consistent <laughs> characters, or what you or I think. He is serving his own unique vision in the most over-the-top bombastic way that he can. For that. Yeah. I'm giving it a B plus. A B plus, a okay. B plus. Well, that puts it in an 81.5%. Okay. That's a B minus right there, average. It's not making it in the Pantheon, but it is tied with point break. Okay. And it's above bad boys. Yes. I absolutely think it belongs <laughs> above bad boys. I mean, I'd say that that's a nice little nestled spot for it. Okay. It really is. But it's also directly in the middle of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were right, Joe. You were right. <laughs> wow. Couldn't have planned that better. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Okay. <clears throat> Revisiting the movie. So no, the Pantheon's not changing. Let's get a critic stats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie? Or none of the above? Josh? Okay. I really like this movie. Okay. I'm I'm just shy of loving it because I think I if I told this movie I loved it, it would kick me in the balls and call me names. <laughs> <laughs> and names we can't say on the podcast. Um I had written none of the above, but damn it, I've had the most enjoyable couple of hours here talking about this. I'm going to say I like this movie. I like this movie, especially after some of the technical things that you told me about earlier, because mm -hmm. I appreciate that stuff. And I almost want to go back and watch it now. Maybe just those scenes. That's two and a half hours long. I want to watch those scenes. See if I can catch. Yeah. Catch the illusion if you will. Uh, so you've convinced me to like this movie. Yay. You've convinced me. Um, uh, But that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next time Josh joins us, it'll be for Bad Boys for Life. We got to do number three. All right. Yes. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Josh, do you have any last words? Bad boys, bad boys. Thanks for listening to Happy Movie Watching. We're out. <laughs>